you've been coming. As the buckets have gone by, I'll catch you up. We're going to be closing our series core this, this morning. And if you've been coming for a couple of weeks, what we've decided to do is take our mission statement and break it out and give, us our, give you our heart about why we um, do what we do here in Grace Point Church. And today we're going to close with the word serve. But before I do that, I want to give you just, if you have been coming and it's your first time, let me give you just a, just give you a little snapshot of what we talked about the last three weeks, because I believe repetition brings revelation. So if you don't know, if you're a guest this morning, we're part of Every Nation. It's a big uh, family of, of churches, and that's their mission statement. They exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campuses in every nation. How many love our campus folks over here? Come on, give them a round of applause. We love young people, and young people love us because we have the money, and we know that. <laughs> Next thing our vision is, why we exist as a church, reaching people and building community. And our core values of devotion, diversity, look around at diversity. Look at diversity in the room. Isn't that amazing? And discipleship. And our mission is connect, grow, serve. And today we're going to talk about the word serve. The last two weeks we talked about connect and how we love unchurched people. And then we talked about growing, how much we love the foundation that um, we build our lives upon. And this week we're going to talk about serve. And when I talk about serve, we serve Christ, one another, and our community. So we're going to serve Christ, one another, and our community. And our heart is, this is the scripture that we use when we talk about the word serve. It's at Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. Matthew chapter 20, 25 to 28. If you don't have your Bibles on the screen, we'll go ahead and read. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples and inverting the kingdom principles to them. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Now, the word servant, if you look it up in the Greek, means deacon. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is Jesus. It's also in Mark chapter 10. At this time, he had told the disciples, this is the third time he's telling them, I am going to go die on the cross, and I'm going to be risen for you. And naturally, Jesus saying, I'm leaving, he knows what's in man. So the disciples thought, well, if he's leaving, who is going to be in charge? And if you look in chapter 19, Jesus told them that when I die, when I, when Heaven and heaven, when all I come back the second time, you guys will sit on the 12 thrones as the apostles. But they wanted something greater than that because nature is, if I'm going to give something, what am I going to get in return? What is it in it for me? And if you looked about the story in verses, again, this is the third time he's telling them this. They're looking to be great. They actually be on the right and on the left. Right means a second in charge. Left was the third. Right signifies honor. And you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he had two thieves on his left and right, one on either side. But they were so ambitious to do this, they sent the mama. And history says this, that the mama really 
whether her name was Shalom, she was actually a sister of Mary. And so auntie was asking a favor for her children. How many love mothers like that? And these guys were hoping that he would say yes because we, had, we sent our mother. Now, in the other version, it says they asked, but really they sent their mother because why not? Why would he say no to a woman? You can laugh on that. It's a joke. <laughs> then he starts to unpack some things about the world system and the kingdom system, which is a paradox. He said that the measure of greatness is not measured by power or prestige. It's about service. So if you want to be great, you can serve. He flipped it. We want to lord over people. He said, no, to be great, the one should be serving. And also, he took it to another level. You shall become a slave. Now, him saying that in that type of environment, because even with the Roman oppression on the Jews and also the religious folks, the Pharisees and the Sadducees standing up there, they thought the honor was you bow down to me. And Jesus says, we all bow down to the Father, then I will lift you up. So it's a paradox because service really, this is for all of us, leads to greatness. Think about it. It leads to greatness. I wrote this down. Achieving greatness in the world means being in position. Achieving greatness in the kingdom means being in submission. Because pride wants you in position and power. And the kingdom flips it. It flips it to being a servant. Think about that. A lot of folks come to church. What is it for me? How do I get, if I, you know, New Society Day, me and Ms. Donna noticed that about 20 years ago when we had young airmen come in the door and I work 12 hours. Do I get four extra hours off tomorrow? No. It's 25 hours a day. Defend America's enemies. What's wrong with you? We're just getting started. Against the enemies. Thank you, honey. She's still there. So I'm on I forgot. 15 years removed. I got to get it right. Remember I said nine times out of 10, I am. Y'all didn't listen last week. Listen to the video. And we want what's in it for me. When he talking about the 12 thrones, he said, he said, Peter said, you know, we left everything for you. We left everything. He said, you have the best thing. You left all those things for the best thing. And I'll restore all those things a hundredfold. So you got to realize the more you serve, the greater you become. Now, not great in the eyes of you think you should become in the God's eyes. So when we look at that, that's what we're looking at, serving one another, serving Christ, one another, and our community. We do it through service. When I lead, I want to be in the one in the back and let you lead out, or inverted V. You guys are leading. I'm back here. I want to serve the best way I know how so you become all that God has called you to be. It's different than what you think. I can become all I can be and forget everyone else. It's about serving, helping, flips it. You know why? Because it flips our pride. We struggle with pride. I want to be somebody and I want it now. And it's going to take a long time unless you learn how to get, help someone else get there. You'll never get there. Come on, somebody. It's a hard thing. That's our heart that you realize serving. In two areas, we want you to jump in. 
Serve inside the church and outside the church. Serve in the church and in the community. 1 Peter 4.10, 11 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's very grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength in God's supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified to Jesus Christ, to him belong the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that scripture says each and every one of us have received a gift. And we're stewards of that gift that you can use to help someone else. When you're not feeling well and you had a rough week, you can use someone with the gift of encouragement. You can use, you want an exhorter to say, it's going to be all right tomorrow. It's just a bad day today, but get up in the morning because the sun is brand new. His mercies are new, what? Every what? Morning. You need somebody. You don't need someone else draining you and telling you, yeah, you're right. It's really bad. It really, you don't need that. You just go slit your wrist by yourself. <laughs> and guess where that comes from? The church. It should come from the church 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why? Because we have the hope. And hope is not a long-range plan. Hope is a person whose name is Jesus Christ. Think about it. I have a bad day, but I have hope. His name is Jesus. He's not dead. He's still alive. There's tomorrow. I'm still breathing. As long as I'm breathing, I can get over this. And I will get over this with scars and marks, but I'm going to get over this. Because we're not designed to live below the level. We're designed to walk with God who's above the level. Edmund Clowney said this, every gift that is ours by creation has been touched by the spirit and our recreation. Every gift that is yours by creation has been touched by the spirit and our creation. It reminded me of my wife. Y'all know Miss Donna. Miss Donna is a loggy, a logtician. She thinks like a loggy. She acts like a loggy. And I love it. Loggies, logistics. Everything's about logistics. You know that commercial? The brown logistics. That's where it came from, my household. <laughs> and Miss Donna will give me a list to go shopping. Or we will go to the store together, and she will take the list and put it in logical order so we go from the farthest to the nearest so we're straight to the house. If I don't drive the, clo- the fastest to the, she'll tell me, you're out of range. And she moves things, and she can take something that don't exist and bring everyone in like it always existed. That's how she thinks. And she helps us with that in the church. Because I said, let's have a Super Bowl party. Bash. She said, you're going to call it a party or bash? How many hot dogs for every guy? I don't know. I wasn't thinking that. I don't think I'm having a party. <laughs> it's a good one. So, I mean, drinks. You tell guys to bring drinks. How many drinks are supposed to bring? They're going to bring sodas, uh, Kool-Aid. Um, I just want to watch. Seattle play. Let's have a party. So when I said let's have a party, logistically, I'll be looking pretty good when it's organized. 
Happened when I was in the military. She taught me a lot. I used to get up in front of my commander and say words he never heard before. He said, you're awesome. I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> then I had one of the guys stand up. It ain't him, it's his wife. I said, sit down and shut up because you're benefiting from it. <laughs> said words, had no idea. They thought I got great marks. I got awards for it. Then the secret came out. But my commander fell in love because he got in trouble in the meeting one time and Miss Donna bailed him out. He became my best friend forever. (laughs) The gift that God has given her is the gift that the supernatural, the Holy Spirit enhances in all, in the environment. I'm going to go to the next one, in the next environment. And here's the thing. Gifts are discovered in service, not discovered in introspection. You cannot stand there waiting for, I'm just waiting for God to show me. When we ask you to serve We're trying to get you on the road to discover who you are in Christ. When I showed up here, I used to stand at that that back door right there. I had no idea I'd be sitting up here preaching to you one day. I just got started on the road. And it only happens in service, not in introspection. Bless you. Only in service. You got to get going. You're saying, how's that? Read the Bible in the Old Testament. God always picked those who are busy. Moses was moving down the road. He could use a, He didn't have to do another thing. But God, as he was moving, because a, a moving target is easier to steer than a dead one. I'll pray about it. It's been two years. But you'll never grow. And if you're doing it to get something, there's a scripture in Proverbs 18, 16. It says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. His man's gift, because let me tell you about the gift. As you're serving, your gift set is being discovered, but your character is being refined. And your character is going to get you in the room, and your character is going to sustain you in the room. If you're waiting to get good before you start to serve, you'll be waiting forever because you cannot fix yourself. I hear this, willpower. There is no such thing as willpower. That's what God's in trouble in the garden, willpower. If it was God's power, we wouldn't be here right now. We'll be still in the garden hanging out. God power, but God honing your character. You don't know anything until you said someone to sit down. Can you move over? You know who tells you no. It isn't the, it isn't the guests that tell you to no to move over. It's the, it's the uh, member. I'm not moving over. It's my seat for 20 years. I'm not moving over for you. What are you doing that moment? Now you think it. That's murder. <laughs> and then you fake it. That's okay, ma'am. Then you come tell me how bad it is. I said, get back out there. God just honed your character. That's what it's about. Inside the church, we do each other. Here, we have gifts and talents. Seen the guys over here? I told the guys I love the, the rhythm, the guitar section over here. It's amazing. And some of you have those gifts, but you're sitting on them. Some of we need singers. We need guys who can sing. And y'all sitting on them guys because I don't want to look like. Sing. You see me up here trying? <laughs> Here's the thing. This is so true servanthood. You don't know who did it. They're hidden. And they don't want to know. They don't want you to know who did it. Because a lot of things happened before you got here this morning. I hope you didn't complain about the air conditioning heating. Because if you did, 
you need to get here next Sunday at, at 7 o'clock and work on it. Because what happens, guys, if you don't work your gift and don't get involved, you become a consumer. And consumers turn into critics. Because the interest, you just, you know, the Monday morning quarterback? Yeah, I would have did it the other way. I don't know why Josh even sung that song. I don't have a clue what's going on. <laughs> then you come tell me, why come we don't do this in this church? How come we don't do that in this church? I don't know, why come you're not doing anything? <laughs> Think about it. Consumers versus contributors. And your Christian life will be fulfilled when you're a contributor, not a consumer. Think about that. Some of you have been coming for a while. I don't know where I, I don't know. You know where you fit because God messes with you all the time. I don't have to tell you. You know where you start? Get out that door. Get in the first impressions. Hey, get in the children's ministry. You want to know where you are? Change a diaper <laughs> on a young boy who likes to hit you right in the, between the eyes. <laughs> and then you smile. Been there, done that. Got the degree. But then you, you learn so much about what's going on in the community, in the church. Second one is in the community. This one is easy because remember we talked about discipleship in Matthew 28. That word go means as you're going to work, as you're going to school, as you're going to the hospital, as you're going, you're going to be doing one thing. This is what Jesus turns it on here coming off the uh, Beatitudes into saying who you truly are in him. He says it starts off in here, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. He uses two metaphors. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it be saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the people's feet. You are the light of the world. You want to circle? That's who you are. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do its people light a lamp and put it under a basket or on a stand and give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they might hear, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. In heaven, not glory to you, glory to our Father in heaven. Assault, when he talks about assault, our presence is so necessary that God will use us to influence the world. When you hear about losing its taste, if you, if you, if you uh, know about biology, salt does not lose its taste. Jesus is up in the ante. He's saying this, true disciples will not lose their effectiveness. All the imitators will be found out. That's what he's talking about in his sermon. Everyone's, well, you don't lose your salt. You don't lose your salt if you truly have it. Because once you have the spirit of God in you, you're truly salt. It will bring some, it will preserve. Self is a preservative. Some of you don't like your jobs, but you're preserving it. This is God, no, it's not God forsaken. You're salty. When see, people see you, do they want something to drink? Do you make Christ so irresistible? That they need some water of the Holy Spirit? Or they saying, man, these guys are fake. That's what they say. We hear it all the time. When you go to that restaurant today, you better give an offering to your waitress or waiter. Because they talk about it. They, they said they're the worst crowd coming in. 
That's why they give you bad service because they expect bad. They expect bad treatment. True disciples do not lose their effectiveness because what God puts in you comes out. But you're already there. It's preserving. Think about it. Serving our community, wherever you are, that's your mission place. If you teach kids, teach them. You're making a difference. We have an opportunity to go every week to Reagan Elementary called uh, Kids Hope. It's an amazing place that we go in, and we spend one hour with a child. And sometimes we don't know what we're doing, but the teachers tell us exactly, you're making a difference, just being a friend to a child and telling them, you can do this. That's what most I'm telling mine. You can do this. You will do this. It's expected for you to do this, and it helps the teacher out. Because teachers got kids right now don't think responsibility is important. Because, you know, growing up, when it comes to service, you clean your room. You didn't get nothing for cleaning your room. Now, hey, mom and dad, I clean my room. I'm going to pay you for doing something you're supposed to do. (laughs) Now, in my day, I always talk about it. But Ms. Donna corrected me. We did have time out in our day. Depends how long you were out. (laughs) So you had it. Robert Maddow said this during uh, Catalyst One Day in Dallas. If you're a leadership guru, it's on tape. He said, when Jesus is not intimately known, he cannot be accurately shown. And that's what he's talking about being light and salt, salt and light. When you know Jesus intimately, you can't help but to shine. You can't help but to be salty. But if you don't, you don't even taste good. Your presence don't taste good. I know it's tough because we deal with emotions. But you got to know, he says, you are it regardless if you feel like it or not. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world, even when you don't feel like it. Now, to do all this, because I was just telling you about how to get this done, our heart, we know the serving the church and serving our community, there's one key factor that's our strategy that you have to get, but it's a personal strategy. It's called humility. It's an attitude of humility. To cool this off, you've got to be humble. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only for his own interests, but the interests of others. Aubrey Mumford says, We will serve others humbly to the degree that we love them. Which gave me a story that changed my life. And I don't think I ever shared it here. Come from a big city, and I played basketball. I was good at it, football. And I played, I was playing for one of the base teams. And when you say you're from New York or from L.A., everyone expects you to be like either Magic Johnson or Kobe or Michael. And if you play long enough, you, you, you start to believe your own hype. And we were having trouble on a team, and we could have won. We had the talent to win everything, but it started with one person, which was me. I didn't know that. My coach said this to me. 
one day. We were down by 12 points, which turned our whole season around. We won the, the championship. And it changed my whole life perspective. He said this, you need to get up so they can go off. This is slang. What he talked about, he said, the reason why I put you on the team because you can jump, not because you can shoot. So you need to get up so you can get them the ball so they can go off because you're telling them you, they got to go ahead and shoot. We're going to kill all the plays. They're going to do more, and they, they got to get the ball in the hand. But they can't get the ball in the hands unless you get up, get the rebound, and give them the ball. And I'm like, really? I'm not saying you're not a good shooter, but I need you to complete the thing I brought you on this team to do. So I tried it. Was I angry? Yeah. Pride? I'll try this. I'll try so hard. I'll be the best rebound there is. Guess what? We won the game. I concentrate on getting the ball, rebounding, good position. I didn't know I had that kind of mentality. I wasn't the t- I became the center at 5'11". And some of y'all played against me. I'm still good. <laughs> but you know, it's one thing. When you play with me, I'm setting more picks for people. Because I want them to get the ball and take the shot. That's what I learned to do. To jump and get it out. So I noticed when I was jumping and getting it out, they started adding me into the offense. We learned, I learned how to do a backdoor and be more effective. I learned how to do tap plays. And they were saying, take the shot. Don't give me the ball. Take the shot, Rich. When I got into where God had put me, into my true purpose of the sport, I was able to raise, and I thought about them more than I thought about myself. Because prior to that, I wanted to know my stats. I don't care if we lost or not. I had 15 points. Man, you understand? Man, we lost by 25. Don't matter. I had 15 points. God was saying, spoke to me. I'm supposed to get up. So y'all can go off into the community, into your workplace, to your neighbors. Then he said, jointly, we all have to get up so Jesus can go off in our community, in our workplace, in our campuses. To get up, you got to get beyond yourself. What was holding me down was pride. I don't know what's holding you down. Unforgiveness. Bitterness can hold you down. And there's other people depending on you to get up so you can get them off. That's what God showed me. And for each and every one of you, whatever you're going through, you need to get up. You were not created to stay down. So you can help others get off. In this church, someone in this church needs encouragement this morning. Someone in your community needs encouragement, but they won't get it unless you get up. And the higher you get up, the less you're caught down. Because there's others first, not me. Sin says I'm self-centered. Christ, it talked about Jesus Christ. He took that attitude of humility. He was others-centered. He was talking about us. He was thinking about us who we reject him. He died on the cross for us. Even though we were going to tell him, get lost, he said, I'm others first. That's my joy to have others first. When I discovered my true calling on the court, when I discovered my true failing on the church, man, life became awesome. And as I got up, I learned more. When I was teaching two and three-year-old kids, I didn't know nothing. Except I to sing, Jesus loves you. 
Had no idea. I learned because I got up. Get off your gift. Get off your pride. Get off your unforgiveness. Some of you have been here long enough. They don't know what's good to church. Hey, we're great. Let's get up. Let's get up so they can get off. Let's get up so our campus is going to be one. Let's get up so diets can be touched. Let's get up so our business will be changed. Let's get up so our neighborhoods will never stay the same. Let's get up. I know my call. My job is to say, get up, man. Let's do this. Because Ms. Donna told me this one time. She didn't know I was going to use it in all the sermons. We had a, a visit from my, my boss. He gave us a whole bunch of things. And I was overwhelmed. Ms. Donna said, you know something, Rich? We can do this. She said, we're going to do this. You know something? We're going to do this. When the doctors told Terry they can't do anything, God says, I'm going to do this. He's going to do this. Get up. Get up. Get up in that area. Why? Because we have the Savior who came to serve and to give his life as a ransom. How much more do we give our lives to this? The calling is great. And here's what you get, the reward. You ready for the reward? You get God. And that's all I need. And whatever comes with them. But I get something even more intrinsically, significance. I worked for millions of dollars, was responsible for them. You know when the significance took place? When I started serving God full time in my workplace. Humility will take you where nowhere else can. I know guys, the most humblest guys in the highest positions. I know college professors, the humblest guys in the highest positions. But you got to tell them all the time how awesome they are. And I love it because they won't try to take the glory and recognize God gets all the glory. Won't we all stand?